Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 41, The Mystery of Heaven, part 7. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome again to Bible Mysteries podcast. I'm here with... Zena! And we're going to talk about those things the world doesn't want you to know that are mysteries hidden right there in your Bible. Are you ready to take the red pill? I am always ready to take the red pill. Fantastic. Well, guess what? We come to our final installment of the mystery of heaven. We're going to wrap up everything there is to know about heaven. No, of course not. (laughs) We've barely scratched the surface in even seven episodes, and I appreciate you guys bearing with us. And, you know, um, each episode when we close, uh, maybe not each, but oftentimes, Zena, you will ask people to give us their comments and their questions. Yes. I want to make one more appeal for that to do so if you have been thinking about doing it and haven't done so yet, because this coming Thursday, June the 24th, we are going to live stream a podcast episode, really not an episode, just a special (laughs) event. We'll call it like a fireside chat. Yes. Something like that. Right from our studio here, we're going to read your questions and answer them. And so if you will send them in, you might get on the air. Yes, please send them in. We would love to answer any questions you have. And it can certainly pertain to heaven if you want to, but if you're kind of sick of that topic, we'll, we'll entertain whatever topics that you want to. We got quite a few questions, so I'm sure we can fill up an hour, but we want to make sure everybody has that opportunity to send something in. So yes. you can send it to uh, UT, uh, or no, unlockthebiblenow at gmail.com. I've forgotten my own email address. <laughs> <laughs> I don't email myself very right. frequently. <laughs> But that's unlockthebiblenow at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Yes. But having said that, we'll get on to this final bit about heaven, and we're going to talk about the last resurrection. Last week, we ended with the first resurrection. We did. We saw that was Israel, it looks like, in their time of uh, restoration. And there's going to be a final resurrection of the dead. And we talked a little bit about that before. And I'm not going to go read all the passages specifically. I'll refer to them. But Revelation chapter 20 Mm -hmm. talks about those whose names are not found written in the book of life. It's a final judgment. And I'll read enough of it in verse 11 just to get the point across. This is after the end of the thousand years after Christ returns. And John writes, and he says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And then there's a judgment, and those whose names are not found in the book of life are going to be cast into the lake of fire. And we, I know it's a sobering thought, which is why we encourage everybody yeah. to be sure and make sure your salvation believe on Christ, because otherwise you're going to have to give an account of your works. And I don't know about you, Zena, but I don't want to be the one to have to give an account of my works. Me either. I'm not the best. I try, but (laughs) who knows how hard they're going to judge. So I'm just going to be on the safe side. And the good news is the safe side is Christ took my place. Yes. So he was judged in my place, and he was found guilty and sentenced and executed to death. But God was pleased with the sacrifice. So he raised him from the dead to prove to us that we now have eternal life. So that's the beautiful thing, because the book of Hebrews chapter 9 says, It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Do you want your judgment to be based upon your own works or the work of Christ? The works of Christ, please, and thank you. That's the only question we have to think of. Now, we also once talked about... Paul was giving an account of some things, and he was standing before a Roman governor named Felix. And uh, Felix, as he, as he spoke to him, Felix began to tremble. 
It's in Acts chapter 24. He reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgments to come, and Felix trembled. And I think about a Roman soldier maybe that rose up the ranks, and he's seen every manner of battle and whatever. Yeah. And he would tremble at the thought of judgment. Paul must have painted a very accurate picture of what this judgment is about. Mm -hmm. So man who thinks, uh, I'll be okay. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with that. So there's going to be a final resurrection of judgment. But ultimately after that, we go into the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. So we're going to talk about our resurrected bodies, whether we go up in the rapture, whether we are um, going to be part of Israel's resurrection. We wouldn't be, but somebody will. Mm -hmm. And they come up, according to Ezekiel, with the bones coming together and then the sinews coming on them and everything else, which would be a fascinating thing to see. Yes. Know? We're going to have bodies. And in the to start with, there's the first resurrection that begins the thousand-year reign of Christ. Then the final judgment or the last resurrection of the dead is going to determine who will go into the new heaven and the new earth. Mm -hmm. Okay. But during the thousand years, the world is going to be different, but it's not yet the new heaven and the new earth. I would argue it's a picture of it. And in type, it's like God is showing the nations and all mankind, this is what you can have. You're literally going to get a taste of it, mm -hmm. you know, if you want it, but you'll have to believe and when, in this thousand-year period of time, they don't have war. The devil's in chains. I would assume the demons and the fallen angels have no activity since their leader's gone. Mm -hmm. They can't do it. They can't operate. Uh, there's Animals are not going to eat each other. So there's not uh, predator and prey, as we understand it today. Uh, if people get sick, they can be healed with leaves from trees that grow along the river. Of a, of, of a water that flows out of the altar in Jerusalem, yeah? And, uh, just, and people will live upwards of a 1,000 years, you know. It says a child will die at 100. So imagine being 100 years old and being considered a child. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so things are definitely going to be different there, but, yeah. and yet there will be death, okay, because it's not yet the new heaven and the new earth. Okay. And the reason why is because now with the devil out of the way, and a perfect government of peace and righteousness and true justice. For all that, man will still rebel against God, given the chance. And they do get the chance at the end of the thousand years. Remember, we talked about the devil's bound with a chain in the bottomless pit. Then he's let go. And he's let go just long enough to gather together an army that the Bible says outnumbers the sand of the sea. Whoa. So can you imagine after living in a world that perfect that you would still find so many people willing to join Lucifer and say, you know what, I think I'll, I want to run the show too. That's terrible. I can run it better than Christ, you know. So that thousand-year period of time is not yet the new heaven, but it's a putting down of the final rebellion, if mm -hmm. you will. And so Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to turn there. That entire chapter is about resurrection. So I encourage everybody listening to read that whole chapter if you want to know everything you want to know about resurrection, starting with Christ. But he talks about the resurrection of Christ in verse 20. He says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. We've already talked about sleep as a euphemism for death. But first fruits, that's a term you're probably not familiar with. I'm not. First fruits is a term that most Gentiles wouldn't be familiar with, and we're all basically Gentiles, you know, <laughs> because it's a Jewish thing. There was a feast of first fruits, which basically you planted your crops and the first harvest would come, and you were to dedicate the first gathering of the harvest to the Lord, and you would offer it in the temple. So they had a feast designated to be the Feast of First Fruits. And it's a picture of resurrection. It's a picture of several things, you know. But when he mentions that Christ, the first fruits, then he's the first one born again from the dead, right? Because he wasn't born, he was created. But he was born again in the sense of being raised from the dead, mm -hmm. crucified, buried, and raised again. So he is the resurrection of the life. It makes sense that he's the first one to be born again from the dead to take on a body that will live eternally, which is what Christ has now. So he says, for since by man came death, which is Adam, by man came also the resurrection of the dead, which is Christ. 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but every man in his own order. So there's an order to resurrection. Christ, the first fruits, okay. which the, the feast pictures. Afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming, which I believe is that first resurrection that the Bible is talking about, because it's the resurrection of Israel, Christ's resurrection, he's the first fruits. It's the sample of what's coming. So he's not the first resurrection, he's the first fruits. There's a difference. Then the first resurrection is the nation, and they come up. And then cometh the end, he says. So we're almost looking like, okay, Christ rose from the dead back in AD 33, mm -hmm. the first fruits. 2,000 year gap before the seven years of tribulation. Then he returns. And after he returns and he establishes the throne and brings Israel back into their land, resurrection, the first resurrection. Israel comes up, they get their crowns, they start to go out to all the nations. And for a thousand years, they go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's exactly what the Great Commission is about. It's going to be fulfilled in the thousand-year reign of Christ. And all the Gentile nations that get to go into it, all that survived the tribulation period, you know, they didn't die, go physically, bodily into the kingdom, prepared for them. The kingdom is literally prepared for Gentiles. So they'll be there a thousand years. There will be children that will grow up that will never have known war, not really have known disease. Because if they got anything, these trees I talked about could heal them immediately. Yeah. You know, they'll go up to a lion and scratch his head without any fear. They'll pick up a rattlesnake and play with it. Would never, no harm for being bitten in the kingdom, in the thousand year reign of Christ, right? Wow. So imagine these children growing up, and when they're 100 years old, they're still a child. Right. <laughs> right. So will we have a conscience to like remember that? When we come back? I think we'll be here. You know, when we come back, when the Lord returns, we're with him, right? We're mm -hmm. going to judge. So we're going to come back. And I think when he gives us crowns, it's going to be to rule over cities. Okay. Not Israel, but the nations. You know, so you, like I said, you might be the queen of McQueenie. What, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not, since you're the warrior princess? It I mean, it's only sense. fitting. <laughs> it's only fitting. <laughs> but, but whatever we do in our service to the Lord is going to be rewarded. And we're actually going to talk about that right at the end here, I think, if we get to it. Okay. If we don't, I'm going to make it another episode so I don't turn this into eight. <laughs> you know, I won't do it at Kingdom of Heaven, but I mean, uh, Mystery of Heaven, but I'll do something else. But he was saying that he must reign till he puts all enemies under his feet. And, and I'll read it again. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So death is not destroyed until the end of the thousand years. Like I said, people will still die during that time, but they've got to do something pretty remarkable to do it. You know, that death would not come because you accidentally killed someone. Or, or you robbed a bank and you shot a guy. You know, you, that won't happen because they could heal him with those leaves. Death will come because they disobey the Lord. And he says, all right, then punishment is death. They'll die right there, Johnny, on the spot for doing something specific, you know. So like murdering someone or attempting to murder someone, then they'll die. I think something like that. Okay. And there, there's the one thing that's specifically laid out is that during the thousand year reign, there is a feast that's going to be held every year that all the nations have to attend, and it's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And in the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a tent, right, they are going to go to Jerusalem, and since they're Gentiles, they can't go into the city, so they're going to camp around it. Okay. All right, so they'll, build, they'll bring their tents, they'll camp around it, there's a celebration for something like seven days or whatever, and they worship the Lord. If anybody chooses not to go that nation gets no rain. And then if they still won't go after they get no rain, there's a plague that falls on them where their flesh melts away right on their body as they stand on their feet. Oh, that's gross. Do you remember the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark at the end where uh, Hans, uh, not Han Solo, <laughs> wrong movie, uh, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the girl were tied to the stake 
and they opened the ark and all the things started swirling around yeah. and then all the Nazis melted. That's where he got that from. Steven Spielberg got that out of the book of Zechariah. That's so gross. (laughs) It's right there in chapter 13 or 14. So um, they will die as a result of directly disobeying the Lord. That's the one thing I know that they can do wrong is the Feast of Tabernacles to not go. And interestingly enough, when we talk about the Feast of Tabernacles and they go and they camp around the city in their tents... At the end of the thousand years, remember we talked last episode about Satan is loosed out of the prison? Yes. And he gathers together an army. The Bible says when he gathers them together, it's named Gog and Magog, which we talked about the other Mm -hmm. Gog and Magog before. But when he names them that again, and it says they compass or surround the camp of the saints. You know what's going to happen? He's going to attack during the Feast of Tabernacles when all the believers are camping out around Jerusalem. Because Satan's thinking, oh, they're sitting ducks. I got them all in one spot. Mm -hmm. If I get rid of all the righteous, then I'll have control of the whole world, you know. And in that very moment that he's about to attack, God rains down fire from heaven and burns the whole thing up. And the saints are right there in the midst of all the flames, unhurt not burning up at all. And the picture of that is Daniel's three friends when they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Yeah. And they didn't burn at all. There wasn't Mm -hmm. even the smell of smoke on their clothes, you know. Yeah. So there's a picture in that of something that's going to happen. It's really fascinating. But the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So we know that he reigns until he puts down all enemies, and the last enemy is death. And that'll be the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. Now, we're talking about physically going into this new heaven and the new earth. We'll be in bodies on the the earth for the thousand years. I believe we come back and we have some participation in that government, in that rule that Christ is going to have. Under Israel somehow, we'll have our crowns and we'll have our authority over whatever cities or whatever he wants us to do. That what we're going to do, I'm not sure, but it's going to be interesting. (laughs) Maybe our job is to make sure people go to the Feast of Tabernacles. Right. You don't want to melt away, right? (laughs) You better get on the bus, you know. There you go. We'll be the OJs, people all over the world. <laughs> Join hands. Join you don't the want to look train. like an ice cream, so get on that bus. That's right. we got to get on the love train there. Well, um, <laughs> so he's saying the resurrected bodies, people kind of don't know what that means, but we know we got a description of it here in verse 35. Some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? He says, thou fool. That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. Now he's talking about planting something. So when you sow, you plant a seed, mm-hmm. right? And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Well, we can identify with that even if we're not farmers, you know. I mean, any little kid at some point in his life has probably planted a seed in school, maybe planted carrots or something. Yeah. Well, you plant a tiny little seed in the ground, and you're thinking, how can anything come from that? And then a few weeks later, a little tiny green thing pops up. (laughs) And then weeks later, when they're ready to harvest, you got a carrot, you know, and you pull it up out of the ground. You're like, wow, I'll get to take this home and eat it, you know. (laughs) Clean it first. Yeah, exactly right. But it's a completely different thing that you put in the ground. Mm -hmm. It grew into something much more, we'll say, glorious, right? So that's the picture of resurrection. When we die, it's like a seed being put in the ground. But when we come back up, it's going to be something different, better, Mm -hmm. you know tastier. <laughs> yes. Like a carrot, right? <laughs> so he says, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. So again, he gives us a science lesson. Naturally speaking, we see, you know, human flesh is different from that of a fish. We don't have scales. We don't have feathers like a bird, right? So mm-hmm. we can see that difference. And then he says, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. Celestial means heavenly. Terrestrial means on the earth, you know. And he wasn't talking about planets there when he said celestial bodies. What was he talking about? Like angels. You know, there are created beings in the heavens. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some already there now, like, like angels and maybe the 24 elders, you know, that, yes. that are still a big mystery to us, right? <laughs> or those four living creatures, mm-hmm. the cherubim, you know. And who knows what else? So there's celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, like animals, birds, men, whatever. And then he says, but the glory of the celestial is one, like an angel, and the glory of the terrestrial is another, like a person, 
There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So there he mentions planets and stars and things. So the celestial bodies, he wasn't referring to planets and stars. He specifically called them out. And we see the difference. You know, the moon isn't as bright as the sun and planets that are farther away. We can barely see them, you know, little tiny flickers of light. Yeah. So with all these examples, he says in verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It's like that. We're going to be different. We start out one way, we end up another. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Our flesh and blood is weak. I mean, you know, without blood, you die, right? Very true. Uh, It is raised in power. So whatever we're going to be, we'll have power. It is sown a natural body. Now, here's the key. It is raised a spiritual body. So he doesn't say it is raised a spirit or a ghost. So out the window goes the idea that when we die, we just float around like little ghosts. Mm -hmm. He says there is a natural body, flesh and blood, and there is a spiritual body. And I know you can touch it. It's not a ghost because Jesus Christ had that spiritual body when he rose from the dead. And Thomas stuck his finger in the nail prints and they held him and he ate fish in front of them. And it wasn't like, you know, you're looking at an x-ray and food was going down. (laughs) He ate it. And just like I would watch you eat, you know, Mm -hmm. I just see you eat food. And they saw Christ eat food. So it says it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, Christ, was made a quickening spirit. A quickening spirit is that he is able to give life. Quickening means rising from the dead. So he is the one that gives life. And in that quickening, we take on a spiritual body. So we're going to have a body. And then he says, Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. We don't start off with a spiritual body. We start off with a natural body, the seed. It's got to die. We plant it. It's got to die. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man, Adam, is of the earth, earthy. He literally from the earth, right, made from dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven, Christ. As is the earthy, Adam, such are they also that are earthy. I mean, you take away all the water inside a human person, and it's a pile of minerals. It's just a pile of dust, you know. If you could literally extract all of the liquid, we're 75% water or some number like that. Wow. Which, incidentally, the earth is 75% water. We are very much tied to the earth. That cannot be a coincidence. I know. Tell me about it. There was a naturalist that was telling me about this thing, and it was, it's not exactly 75%. It's like, it's either 74.3 or 73.7 or something Mm -hmm. like that, but it's right enough, close enough, of these correlations of how often that number appears exactly that amount, precisely to the decimal. We're that much water as human beings, that much water as the planet itself. And there were about five other things that he mentioned. And it's amazing how there's no way that could have been accidental. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I'll have to go find that uh, <laughs> or reach out to that guy and see if I can find that information. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the first man is of the earth earthy, as uh, is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, as is the heavenly Christ, such are they also that are heavenly. So we're going to be like him. We're going to have bodies like him. And as we've borne the image of the earthy, which we wear now, flesh and blood, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So I know that, for example, when Christ rose from the dead, they touched him, they held him, they ate with him. And yet at the same time, he could disappear out of their sight. So he's not limited. Like, you know, he was in the midst of the, of the room. They were, they were, the doors were closed. They were in a room and suddenly he appeared and scared him half to death. You know, yeah. so he didn't go through the door. Uh-huh. And they didn't see him, like, go through a door like a ghost <laughs> would, right? He was just there, like he could just transport himself there. So evidently, we're going to have that ability, see? He's a transporter. He's a transporter, yeah. And probably because the spiritual realm we're talking about is another dimension. Mm-hmm. So he can step right into it, see, or step out of it. That's but so cool. I'm telling you, it's amazing. So he goes on to say... Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So that's why we have to put on this other body, because we can't go into the kingdom of God or inherit it, if you will, as flesh and blood. Because we're not pure. 
It, it's everything about that. You're right. We're not pure. And he goes on to say, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So we're corruption, impure. And, and it also might be that because the spiritual realm is pure, at least where God dwells in the kingdom of God, you couldn't enter into it without tainting it. Yes. Without bringing that corruption. Mm-hmm. So you've got to put on it. It's almost like having to wear a space suit to go into space. Yes. Or you die. Mm-hmm. Well, you, we've got to put on incorruption to enter into the kingdom physically, or else you would taint it. And, or, and we would probably die just trying to enter in. You would probably just disintegrate, you know. Yeah. So he says, behold, I show you a mystery. Now, this gets back to the thing of the rapture. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And I love the fact that I know a man who owns a church, and they have a nursery, and the sign on the nursery reads, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. <laughs> That's so cute because it, it's like ironic because it's like don't sleep little but you do need your diaper change yes. how funny to, to apply scripture in the most humorous way i can think yes of. <laughs> but the change paul's writing about here is something that happens so quickly he says it's going to be in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed and he goes on to describe we're going to put on immortality so the change takes place, whether we are already dead, will be changed when we raise up, or whether it happens in, in the event of the rapture happens in my lifetime and we go up without dying, I'm still going to be changed because I can't go into the kingdom of God like this. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed, but to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. I don't want to, frankly. <laughs> I'd like to have just a little bit more hair and a little bit less weight, a little more color, you know, just a little more, a little more handsome. <laughs> just, I'm not asking for much, you know. I don't want to be Brad Pitt. I just want to right. look better You're than like, I do. But, but if I could, I, can we change this? Can we add this? <laughs> right. If I can just fix those things that I don't like. <laughs> so Paul gives us a little bit more indication about it in the book of Philippians chapter 3 when he says in verse 20, For our conversation is in heaven. The word conversation, we think of like we're talking now, but yeah. it actually covers everything you say and do. So it's really the equivalent word in English today would be our behavior. Okay. Our behavior is in heaven. Everything we do and say is on record, so to speak. God knows us. He knows what we're doing. And he says, our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking for him to come down. Who shall change our vile body? You said impure. Paul called us vile. (laughs) Same thing. Gosh, Paul. It's the same thing, really. (laughs) Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. He can even subdue our sinful flesh and change it into what he is, which he will. Wow. Yeah, which he will. So I look forward to that day. Me too. And then getting back to those examples I was telling you about of Jesus appearing, let me read that so our listeners can really see the picture. It's found in Luke chapter 24. And since I mentioned it, I don't want you to take my word for it, but I want you to see it as it is. Uh, The 12 minus Judas are in one place, and the doors are shut. They're in a room, and it says, And as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. (laughs) 
Can you imagine if somebody just said, if you didn't see anybody come and you're walking down a dark hall and all of a sudden there's your brother and he says, hey, Zena, uh, you know, you jump. Yeah, I get so mad. I'm like, oh, why'd you do that? <laughs> you're real startled. But the next time he does that, it'd be funny if he said, peace be unto you. <laughs> peace. You're the reason why I have no peace. <laughs> and well, don't be, don't feel bad that you might have been scared because verse 37 says they were terrified. (laughs) They were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they'd seen a spirit or a ghost. Right. I think the same thing. Yeah. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. Meaning, look, touch me. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. So he's got flesh and bones in this resurrected body. He didn't mention blood. So I, I was going to point that out. He yeah, didn't say blood. I think there's something else maybe. There's another thing that courses through our veins, if, if you will, and it won't be blood, and it will allow us to be whatever. It's, I think it's the river of water of life, you know, but mm-hmm. whatever it is, it says in verse 40, when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they yet believed not for joy... Because remember, they hadn't seen him since they saw him dead. Yeah. And they wondered. He said unto them, have you here any meat? And the word meat is old English for food. And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and a honeycomb. And that encourages me because being from Louisiana, I'm encouraged by the fact that we'll eat fish. Yes. (laughs) And he took it and did eat before them. So if he can eat before them and they can touch him, his spiritual body is a physical body. And it's designed for one purpose to live eternally, to go into eternity. And that's where we're going to close with this last little bit there. So I want to leave these thoughts about heaven, the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, and the body that you're going to be given for you to understand that you're going to feel, you're going to feel joy, not pain. You're going to laugh. You're going to rejoice. We're going to, you know, do, you, do you sing? You're going to sing in heaven. <laughs> we might all sing, you know. Yeah. Do you like to build? You're going to build in heaven and throughout eternity. Uh, do you like to play an instrument? You'll probably play a hundred. You know, you'll have plenty of time mm-hmm. to learn them all. Uh, do you write? Do you uh, perform uh, dance? Uh, whatever. Um, are you a scientist? You're going to explore things. Whatever it is that you're joy, whatever God created you to do, you're going to be doing forever in ways that we can't even imagine. I think, and it won't be a labor. It'll be a joy, you know. Mm-hmm. It won't be, oh, I got to go punch the clock today, you know. Yeah, like you'll want to do it. You'll, you'll, you can't wait to get up and get to the next mm-hmm. day, you know, because we're going to discover so many things or build so many things or create so many things because God designed us to do that, you know. And so with that thought in mind, I want to close with these ideas to, to encourage you to want to look into this and desire it as much as I do. John chapter 14, verse 1. Christ said to the twelve, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now think about Christ saying to them, and, and he would say to you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now it's in my Father's house, so it's in heaven. And it's not limited to Israel. This is beyond just the thousand-year reign. This is beyond the restoration of the national program or anything else. Mm -hmm. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. In a mansion, we might think of as like a big plantation-type beautiful house or a big big estate, you know, somewhere or whatever. It's really just a, a dwelling place. So we don't know what it is. We don't, is it big? Is it gigantic? Is it an estate? Is it small? I don't know. But whatever it is, it's like it's a place for you to stay while you're in the city. Because, again, getting back to that Knights of the Round Table idea, you mm-hmm. know, maybe we all meet and we have big feasts and we all rejoice and we have big conferences and reunions and things. And then we go out and we do other things, you know. Yeah. And I think we'll keep those feasts forever. And I think we'll be gathering several times a year to see each other. But he says, I go to prepare a place for you, and whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
So the whole idea is if you want to be a part of God's inheritance, you're going to have to come through Jesus Christ. And remember, we also talked about there's a final judgment of the last resurrection, and everybody whose name is not found written in the book of life will end up in the lake of fire. So we don't want anybody to go there. Because he says about the city, the new Jerusalem, there shall no In Revelation 21, verse 27, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so your name can only be written in the Lamb's book of life if you came through the Son to get to the Father. See, that's why it's the Lamb's book of life. Everybody that's trusted in Christ, he's the gateway. There's no other way into eternity but through him. So I encourage everybody to make sure your salvation by believing on him, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because every person that goes into that city, and particularly I'm thinking of the ones that are the flesh and blood people, that are going to have to be ultimately changed, you know, to to live forever. Mm -hmm. And what they're going to do to be changed is it's like everything comes full circle. We started off with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And what was in the midst of the garden but the tree of life? Yes. Right? Well, it they were banned from it after they sinned because he said, lest they should eat and live forever. Then I know there's something about the tree of life that can grant eternal life. Physically speaking, life is in Christ. Eternal life is in Christ. But what's the mechanism by which it's going to enter into the body physically? Look in chapter 22 of Revelation, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So we kind of talked about the tree of life before, so I won't go into great detail. Sounds gorgeous. Suffice it to say, it'll be the means by which we want to partake of it. We want to be able to eat of that fruit and eat and live forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what he said back in Genesis, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. God did not want them to do that in a sinful body. He wanted them to do that after their body was restored. But they had to listen to that serpent. Yep. Well, I guess they could have chosen not to, but they chose wrong. You see a serpent, run. Exactly. Verse 14, blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life. And they enter in through the gates into the city. So you want a right to the tree of life because, again, that's where you're going to have eternal life. Hence, full circle. We come back from the beginning to the beginning. Now, on that note, we're going to have bodies like unto Christ's body. Glorified bodies. No longer corrupt. No longer impure. No longer vile. It's going to be fashioned like his glorious body. Before Adam and Eve sinned, and took on the corruption that we now have. God made them male and female. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, back in Genesis 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 27, 28. And so reproduction was a part of the plan before sin entered in. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with it, nothing impure about it. It was always meant to be. I would say that their bodies were not flesh and blood like we are now. They might have been like Christ was originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, they originally, for Adam and Eve, as Christ is right now. Okay, Not resurrected, but just created. So evidently, they had the ability to reproduce. And I imagine reproduction would have meant that children would have been born pain-free, you know, childbirth would have been pain-free. Yes. And they wouldn't have died and all that kind of thing is happening. Mm-hmm. So it's important to keep that in mind that if that was a part of the original creation before sin entered in, then reproduction is part of God's plan for humanity. Mm-hmm. We know that if we... Not, there's some who he says in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are as the angels. So there's going to be some that will not reproduce. Okay. Because they don't need to. They're not the ones called for that, just as angels don't reproduce. Some of us are going to be like that. We're not going to become angels, but we will be like angels in that the bodies we have don't have the need to reproduce. We're something else. Okay. Whatever you want to call that. But there are those that are going to go into the final new heaven and the new earth that are flesh and blood people. 
And when they eat of the tree of life, I believe they're going to be restored to the original type of person that Adam and Eve were created to be. Okay. And they will reproduce. So some people find it hard to swallow that there's going to be reproduction in heaven. But there is. And those who have that ability, because they're going to be the ones that are going to carry out God's original plan, his original purpose, which is to be fruitful and multiply, they're going to be changed and fashioned for that purpose. And the reason why there has to be that purpose is because of this passage in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And this one really, you have to really think about this one to get the gist of it. You might have heard this passage before. It's, a, it's usually sung in like Christmas hymns and things like that. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Government. What kind of government? Well, it's a kingdom. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This child born is Jesus. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. So his government is a kingdom. He's going to sit on the throne of David, which is Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And it says the government... And peace, there shall be no end of its increase. How does a government increase? Uh, I would think they want more power. Yeah. And they, you know, like when you want more, things start to increase. Yeah, things increase. So I think you're right. I think, like, if a government, a corrupt government like we have on this world now, yes, wanted to increase... That means, like you said, more power, more control, so they tax more, right? Mm -hmm. So more money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Very true. Well, God doesn't need money. He's not going to tax. There's going to be no need for taxation. There's going to be no need for any of that kind of thing. So the only way his kingdom is going to increase is with people, numbers, children being born. And it's going to go out, and when you think about the size of the universe— and in the new heaven and the new earth, I don't know why that would be shrunk down to just a little tiny sphere, you know? <laughs> Do you think, like, we will be living on different planets? I do. I really think that we're going to spend eternity exploring God's universe. And in the new heaven, maybe the corruption will be gone, so maybe there won't be the need to have space suits and like yeah. we can breathe wherever we go or every planet is habitable, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know how it's going to be different because clearly there are like planets that are gas giants or whatever that you couldn't live on or they're too close to a star and you'd burn up or what, or you're too far away, you freeze to death. So there's at some point in the new heaven, all that's removed since there's going to be no death, no sorrow, no pain, mm-hmm. all that. So I would think we're going to explore and discover and colonize and whatever. Colonize is a bad word, really, (laughs) because that's not fair. We're not taking over something from somebody else. Yeah, very, very, very true. You know, we're just multiplying and expanding. Do you think, like, since, so since money is kind of seen as the root of all evil, do you think that we'll just trade services for it like so someone will cut someone's hair and then that yeah. person possibly is a farmer so then they they're like cool? oh here's a basket of fruit the for your service yeah because yeah. i feel like honestly that would be really i think if we did that now that would be awesome because there's always a service you're going to need and instead of paying someone for it i feel like why not trade me a service if you're yeah. great at cutting hair and i'm great at doing nails let's swap the service, because it's of equal value. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that greed will be capable of experiencing okay. because we'll be in sinless bodies, and greed would be sinful. Mm-hmm. Okay, for me to covet what you have would be sinful. So I wouldn't want to take from you. But if we were trading, maybe, because there was some kind of merchandise going on back in the world that was mm-hmm. with the angels. So I th- And God is rich. 
He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I believe he's going to give us richly all things to enjoy. So it's mm-hmm. not like he's going to say, sorry, you can't have that, you know. Yeah. I, I think we're going to be in the position to know exactly what we need and we'll, we'll use what we need in a righteous way. Mm-hmm. And there won't be any kind of like... Uh, Over-consuming. I'm going to cheat Zena out of her wages, yeah. you know. <laughs> you won't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You won't even have the capacity to do that. So I don't think we'll be earning wages per se. I think I think a bartering system would be a perfect way. Say, you come over and say, hey, look what I made you. And I say, oh, really? Look what I made you. You know, right? just rejoicing over it. Yeah. You know? And never feeling any any sensation of, oh, man. I remember one time when we used to, when we were in kids in elementary school, we would draw names for Christmas gifts. And they had to be little, you know, dinky little gifts, yeah. right? But um, I remember some kid drew my name and got me a candle. And when you're a little boy in school and all the other boys got some sort of a little toy, mm-hmm. you're just like, and I didn't know how to appreciate I should have just been thankful and seen the spirit of it. But I was like, oh, man, I got a candle. And I bet I made that kid feel so bad because I probably sat there and pouted like a little baby. But, I mean, know? when you think about it, you're a kid, you're so innocent yeah. and naive. I mean, Honestly, why? Like, I'm. I'm just wondering, why would you gift someone so young? I can't. Like, what was behind? Like, what was the meaning behind you giving that person a candle? Well, you had to know that it was probably their parents that got it for them because we were yeah, so young. But yeah. So, what kind of parent thought this yeah. would be a good gift for a kid? Right. Like, a candle. Hmm, get him a candle. <laughs> like, were you trying to say I? Maybe stink? they were Is thinking he'll bring it home me? to his mother. Right. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. But I just think about you know, as children, we kind of. You know, we can be pretty selfish. You know? We can. And we grow up to be very selfish yes. sometimes. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, sometimes we've got to nip that in the bud. But, I mean, too, we have to be understanding that we're not perfect. But, too, it's like a candle. Right. Well, another thing, too, is, you know, it says in the book of Revelation that they shall reign forever and ever with Christ. You mm-hmm. know? He, when he comes back, his reward is with him, he says. So we're going to receive crowns. We're going to be reigning over. And so let's say maybe, like I said, we joked about you being the queen of the queen. Right? <laughs> well, let's say, you know, as a result of your service in this life, when the Lord comes back to reign for a thousand years, you are the queen of McQueen or maybe 10 other cities. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the thousand years, it's going to be like, okay, you did a great job for me during the thousand years. Now I have ten planets. You know, maybe maybe there's something to the idea wow. of the rain will increase as well. Yeah. Our, our governance will increase. And it'll never be something like if you get ten planets and I only get a basement. <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't measure up very well. It's not like I'm going to be envious of you. I wouldn't have that capacity to feel that way. I would be so glad. Wow, she's so amazing, and look how amazing it is now. Ten planets. I'd be like, it's a lot of responsibility. Are you sure you want to put that on me? And and the, Paul even said, if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him in Second Timothy. So the suffering has to do with the service. You know, mm-hmm. so we serve him, we're going to reign with him. He'll never deny us salvation. We can't lose that. But we could lose the reward of the inheritance. Like we could lose the crown. And so it's encouraging to know that all of us have a crown waiting for us if we will serve him. And service involves three things. Paul said, I've finished my course. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Yeah. That's it. Not, they're not easy, but that's all God requires us to do. Be faithful, finish what you started, and, and serve him, you know, out of, pure, out, of a, out of a willing heart, really. So he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. So the good fight is against evil and Satan mm-hmm. and his angels. Finishing the course is never giving up. And then keeping the faith is staying steadfast to the end, you know. And then he says, henceforth, and by the way, this is all 2 Timothy chapter 4. Henceforth, or from now on, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, he says, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So if we love the Lord and we look forward to him coming to get us, to take us into our inheritance, we'll do these things, looking forward to the crown. When you think about who wears crowns, it's like, the queen of the queenie. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> so the crown of righteousness, and then the final thing is this. In Revelation 22, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, we read these words out of the Lord's angel who speaks for the Lord when he says in verse 12, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. So that's not judgment of the lost. That's judgment of the saved. Mm -hmm. My reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. So we're going to receive a reward 
and it's going to go on through eternity, and it's going to be perfect, righteous, and we're going to rejoice in each other's accomplishments, you know, all because it was done with the Lord working through us. We can't boast or brag in anything. We couldn't have done anything without the Lord. And so the final words are in verse 17, and the Spirit and the Bride, God's Holy Spirit, and the city itself, the Bride, say, come. It's like the city saying, I want you to be a part of me. Come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. If you're a whosoever, you can be saved. My, my parting words to anybody listening to the sound of my voice is that you desire to be a part of God's heaven and that you'll make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior so you can be there, so we can meet you. Yes. We'll have eternity to spend together, <laughs> to do things and discover things together. Mm -hmm. So I pray that you will. And that concludes our study on the mysteries of heaven, Zena. Wow. There's so much to look forward to. I don't know how anyone could not look forward to heaven. I agree. Now, we've talked about some very uplifting things, but I'm going to warn our listeners, starting next week, we're going to get into some pretty crazy things. So we're going to talk about, we're going to go more to dealing with the satanic global elite and events that are occurring right now. Uh, and I'm going to basically start referring to them as Hydra. Okay. So I'll get into that and why that is next week. It's like a multi-headed serpent that you cut one head and another one grows in its place, you know. <sighs> so we're going to get into some pretty dark things <laughs> yeah. there. So I hope you'll join us so we can kind of warn you of why it's so important that you make sure your salvation and be a part of this new city. Because what's about to happen on this earth is not good at all. No, not at all. And it's happening now, but we have the hope that is in Christ Jesus. So thank y'all for listening today. Yes, thank you guys. As always, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. And don't forget, we do have our live stream coming up. So please comment down below any questions that you have for us. That's right. It's going to be on Facebook, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, June 24th. Be there or be nowhere. Yeah, so you <laughs> might as well just be there. You might as well. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, folks. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.